yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Dan Dunn. Glad to have you here on this uh, Irish-themed episode of the podcast. Last week, I got an email informing me that this week is Irish Coffee Week. That's right. Irish Coffee Week. It used to just be Irish Coffee Day, January 25th, but that wasn't enough. You can't contain irish coffee you can't everything irish coffee can't just happen in one day you need a whole week so it's this week or at least it's the week that we're recording this you might be listening to this a month from now and then it'd be the wrong week but it this week the week of january 22nd is irish coffee week and in just a little bit I'm gonna be rolling out a three-minute bartender that will tell you everything you need to know about the Irish coffee in less than the time that it takes to, you know, I don't know, take a crap, listen to a U2 song. Take a crap while listening to a U2 song. However you want to do it. But first, I want to tell you a little story. You know, look, I, I get this high-profile job predicated upon excessive alcohol consumption, and a job like this does not come without its perils, my friends. That's right. Uh, I'm going to give you an example of how an existence such as mine can yield scary results. And this one happened, of course, in Ireland. Many years ago, I was touring Ireland with a small group of uh, spirits journalists. They still existed back then. This has got to be, geez, 15 years ago, maybe? 12 to 15, something like that. And uh, with these journalists, and I was uh, very nearly beaten to death in a pub just outside of Dublin. You see, one of the members of our group was a fresh out of the frat douche nozzle from New York, and he was on assignment from one of those atrocious laddie magazines that used to exist back then, you know, FHM, Maxim, and none of them exist anymore, I don't think. And this guy looked like Billy Zapka, and we know Zapka has had a resurgence in uh, Cobra Kai, but he looked like young Billy Zapka, you know, the smirking bad guy from the first Karate Kid movie. And he acted like him, too. Uh, indeed, on more than one occasion on this trip, I just wanted to rear up on one leg like a crane and kick him in the teeth. Maneuver, I might add, that if executed properly, no can defend. So we're in this pub, and I go up to the bar to get a drink. And the place is packed. Soccer game, or football game, excuse me, on TV. It's St. Patrick's Athletic versus Galway United. There's a premier division in, in Ireland. Lots at stake here. And the score is tied 2-2 late in the second half. And the whole it's a St. Patrick's pub. All It's filled with St. Patrick's fans. And and they're all totally blotto. I wait, so I, I didn't mean to be redundant there. I, I already established that they were Irish and in a pub. So you know they were blotto. Anyway, as I'm taking this all in, Billy Zabka sidles up next to me. Him and that fucking smirk of his. He points at the TV and he's like, soccer game, right? Observant kid. So I don't even look at him and I, I just nod. And He's like, you like soccer? And I say, well, you know, they call it football over here. He snorted. He's like, yeah, I know. It's fucking stupid. 
So I let that one go, and I waved to the bartender, because at this point I, I need strong drink, badly. I'll get this one, he says, and uh, I'm like, uh, wary about this, but okay, I'm not going to turn down free drink. So I said, yeah, I'll have a red breast. And he just looks at me and smirks. Stupid Billy Zapka smirk. He's like, no, 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 bro, huh? I got a better idea. Now, here's the thing. It wasn't a better idea. In fact, it was a breathtakingly stupid idea. The kind of shit-brained idea that makes you not feel so much angry as sorry for the guy. But also very angry. Two Irish car bombs, he shouts. Now, for all of you unfamiliar with this particular concoction and the reasons why ordering it in a pub in Ireland is such a sterling example of, we'll say, poor judgment, here's a little background. To make an Irish car bomb, you you combine half a shot of Jameson with half a shot of Bailey's in a shot glass. Then you drop the shot glass into a pint of Guinness and you chug it. This little abomination was invented by a man named Charles Burke Cronin Oat at Wilson's Saloon in Norwich, Connecticut in the mid-1970s. Norwich, Connecticut, of course, being in America. So to recap, American bartender invented a drink that appropriates three of Ireland's most beloved adult beverages as ingredients and then named it after an act of terrorism that has caused catastrophic social and political upheaval not to mention countless deaths for generations of Irish citizens. To fully appreciate the import of this, imagine that in the wake of 9-11, some cheeky Irish pub owner dreamed up a drink that combined America's native spirit, bourbon, with sweet vermouth, that's a Manhattan, in a shot, and dropped it into its most popular beer, Budweiser, and called it a Manhattan Ground Zero, because as he explained... Drinking it left a big fat hole in your gut. Now imagine you're sitting in a pub down around Wall Street and would have been the shadow of those fallen towers and a group of rowdy Irishmen on holiday storm in and order around a Manhattan ground zeros. Now just imagine all those Irishmen were rowdy and obnoxious. All right, sorry, there I go being redundant again. But imagine they're rowdy and obnoxious and they look just like Billy Zabka. All right. So Zabka shouts two Irish car bombs in this very packed Irish pub, and all activity comes to a record needle screeching halt. <laughs> yes, just like that. Everyone, and I mean every single fucking person in that bar, stares daggers at us. And it's the silent death stare, the worst kind. Then in what ranks, I'd say the top five bad the worst moments of my life, Galway scores the go-ahead goal in the final minute of play. I am not shitting you. That happened. Game over. Match. Galway. Everybody in the bar is uh, distraught, to say the least. So the first thought that crosses my mind is I'm going to die in Ireland, and I I didn't even get to meet the Blarney Stone or Kiss Bono. Expecting my life to flash before my eyes like people says happens to you you when you reach the pearly gates. And yes, I know I'm being an optimist, but I, I think I can make it to heaven. But in, instead, something Martin Luther King Jr. once said popped into my head. And that is, a man who won't die for something is not fit to live. Now, there are myriad things I'd like to think I'd be man enough to die for. My family, dear friends, my principals, rolling the hay with a supermodel. But defending some Neanderthal 
that I, quite frankly, wanted to pummel myself from a mob of angry Irish soccer hooligans is not even worth getting 86 from the pub, let alone beaten to death. And for the record, yes, I did just invoke Martin Luther King Jr. to illustrate a barroom tale. I got no defense. My brain is my brain. So with no time to waste, I spring into action, going crane on Zapka before anyone has a chance to realize I'm with him. Of course, I don't actually have the space, coordination, or training, or discipline to properly execute the crane, so I do the next best thing, and I just fucking elbow the guy, you know, boom, and I say, what the feck is wrong with you, you damn feckin' yank, and I'm suddenly feeling emboldened, and I have fierce, I'm like, I'm gonna pull this off. Yet, despite being in possession of what I thought was a solid Irish brogue, and let's face it, I do look a little bit like Colin Farrell. And I got a common Irish surname, Don, Dan Don, for the love of sweet soul from Jesus. Each and every local in that pub immediately discerned that I am, in fact, a dumb fecking yank as well. And then I figured out what it was. I'd recently had my teeth whitened, and that's a dead giveaway in that part of the world. But just as the mob begins to close in on us, we caught a break. Turns out the pub owner, who was like this burly ex-cop, and, and he had the, you know, everybody respected this guy. He'd been tipped off by the publicist who had arranged our junket that we were journalists, yielders of the almighty pen. Back then, it mattered, the pen. So there's no question this guy would have loved nothing more than to see that mob scatter our teeth all over the fucking floor. Yet, I think he saw the potential fallout of letting two American booze scribes get brutally assaulted and left for dead. So instead of suffering deep, perhaps permanent bodily harm, all that happened was he got thrown out of that pub with a wholly unnecessary warning never to return again. Still, close call. On the rest of the trip, by the way, Zapkin never broached the subject of me elbowing him. I expected as much. In my experience, these brawny blowhards who wear prep school sweatshirts and strut around acting like they own the joint, they fold like a French prize fighter once you show them you're capable of real street violence. It's one of the many valuable lessons I learned, by the way, from my grandma back in Philly. Yeah, grandma... She also taught me a few other things like never trust rich people, empty cardboard refrigerator boxes are the greatest toys ever invented, and a penny saved is still just a fucking penny. So yeah, drinking in Ireland. A lot of fun. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I don't recommend the Irish car bump. I don't. But I do recommend the Irish coffee, and in just a second, I'm going to give you the skinny on the Irish coffee. Also, real quick, I brought up the crane kick from Karate Kid earlier, and the whole no-can-defend thing, maybe that's not correct. In fact, I can't bring that up without playing for you the greatest comedy segment ever about that, and that's from uh, Gary Goleman. So let's check that out right here. So according to Pat Morita, the crane kick, and I quote, if do right... No can defend. <laughs> if do right, no can defend. And I believed that. For 25 years, I believed that. But upon a second viewing, <laughs> with the aid of rewind, slow-mo, and pause, well, I found that claim to be not only grammatically incorrect, was also carotically incorrect. <laughs> what I assure you is, even if do right, 
can defend. Can defend. Indubitably can defend. Hey, it's not easy. I'm not going to lie to you. But if you're aware of a couple of keys, you can defend the crane kick. Here we go. One, do not sprint face first into the crane kick. That, that is huge. Keep your grill away from his kicking foot. Figure out about how far he can reach with his foot. Draw a line if you have to. Stay behind that. But of course, that begs the question, how do I know that the crane kick is coming? Fair enough. Fortunately, he very subtly telegraphs. Also, I invite you to follow me on Instagram at The Imbiber. That's T-H-E-I-M-B-I-B-E-R. And also check out my YouTube channel, What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. I've been posting videos up there because it's fun and I like doing it. I do. I really, really do. Hi, this is Pat Oswalt. And this is Meredith Salinger. And you're listening to What We're Drinking with the very handsome Dan Dunn. <laughs> glug, glug. Glug, glug. Stale is one of my least favorite words in the English language. It's a real blah word, isn't it? Stale rhymes with fail, which nobody likes to do, and kale, which nobody but weirdos really likes to eat. I prefer an antonym to stale, and that's fresh, as in fresh victor, a line of all-natural, clean-label cocktail mixers that really come in handy when you're having a little drinking sesh. See what I did there? Rhymes with fresh. Yeah. Anywho... Fresh Victor offers nine unique blends with contemporary flavors designed to tantalize any palate. I love them all, but my absolute favorites are three citrus and mint leaf, strawberry and lemon, and cactus pear and pomegranate. All of the ingredients are fair trade sourced, there's nothing artificial, and the mixers are produced at a 100% solar-powered juicing plant with absolutely no waste. And right now, Fresh Victor is offering a funky fresh deal to what we're drinking listeners. Simply go to freshvictor.com, fill up your shopping cart, and at checkout, enter promo code FVDAN20. FreshVictorDan20. FVDAN20. You get 20% off your order. Think of all the money you'll save while also becoming the envy of all the amateur mixologists in your neighborhood. Now's the time to treat yourself to the very best mixers on the market, and that's Fresh Victor. Okay, now, as threatened, I got some stuff for you to share about the Irish coffee, given that it is Irish Coffee Week. Let's get to it, shall we? We're all busy, and that's why sometimes you want a good drink and you want it fast. So strap in and hold on tight, friends. This is the 3-Minute Bartender. 3-Minute Bartender is an evergreen resource. Still... We're recording this in February during a record cold snap. So this is a warm drink that will keep you super alert so you can get really into the shitty weather we're having. Now, Irish coffee is sort of the original Four loco, And they banned the original Four loco with caffeine, but they can't take away my Irish coffee. This is a great drink if you want to have your judgment impaired while getting hopped up on a powerful stimulant. Oh, Ireland, is there anything you can't make into a bar fight? Here's what you need. Good coffee, pretty good Irish whiskey, brown sugar, heavy cream. 
Equipment-wise, you're going to need a coffee maker, a bar spoon, and a way to whip cream. And again, good coffee is a key to a good end product. As far as the Irish whiskey goes, I never recommend using fancy booze in a hot drink. Think classics, Patty, Bushmills, Jameson, Powers. If you must buy fancy, the fanciest you should get is Tullamer Dew. Now, like most drinks, Irish coffee has a disputed origin. Several people claim to have invented it. But anyone who claims they were the first person to put liquor into coffee is an idiot classic story is this. It was invented in 1943 by Joe Sheridan at the Foynes Air Base Flying Boat Terminal. I say again, Flying Boat Terminal. Stay Ireland, Ireland. Pan Am flight bound for America was turned back due to inclement weather, and Joe invented the Irish coffee on the spot to warm and soothe the passengers, but keep them up so they could be ready to leave whenever that plane was ready to get the hell out of there. Someone asked, is this Brazilian coffee? And Joe replied, no, it's Irish coffee. There's a travel writer for the San Francisco Chronicle named Stanton Delaplane. He tried it on his way through the airport, immediately fell in love with the drink, and brought it to America. San Francisco's Buena Vista Cafe began serving it in 1952. Thereafter, it gained international fame. Now, that's a great story, but probably not the true origin of the drink. There are documented coffee cocktails going back 100 years before Joe Sheridan. The Viennese were drinking rum and whipped cream in their coffee in the 1800s. They called it a pharisaer. The French were also drinking coffee and liquor in the 1800s. They called theirs a gloria. And the Irish version probably didn't start with Joe Sheridan either. May have started at a Dublin pub called the Dolphin. Cream and sugar were being added to disguise the terrible taste of World War II ration coffee. Whiskey was added because it's fucking Dublin. Regardless, the Buena Vista is where the Irish coffee got famous. And hell, they make a really good Irish coffee at the Buena Vista. But so can you. And here's how. Fill up a mug with hot water to warm it up. Dump it out and fill it three quarters with hot coffee. Add sugar to taste, about a teaspoon, and Irish whiskey to taste. Then float very cold, lightly whipped cream on top. Cream should be thickened, but still a little runny. Now remember, you're drinking alcohol, and you're also drinking coffee. Too much of either can result in poor decision-making. Too much of both can result in making poor decisions with increased speed and certainty. There are variations to the Irish coffee. Jamaican coffee is the same thing with rum. Highland coffee is the same thing with scotch. Some people will tell you to use Baileys in place of cream. Those people are monsters. If you're filthy, use Ready Whip. If you're really filthy, use Cool Whip. If you're extremely filthy, use Instant Coffee, Splenda, and Cool Whip. And then to top it all off, Canadian Mist. And finally, I'll leave you with a joke. Old Man Murphy and Old Man Sean were contemplating life when Murphy asked, If you had to get one or the other, would you rather have Parkinson's or Alzheimer's? Eh, sure, I'd rather have Parkinson's, replied Sean. Tis better to spill a couple of ounces of Jameson whiskey than to forget where you keep the bottle. Stay warm out there, folks, and remember, there's never been a storm that couldn't be weathered with our old friend alcohol. And that's going to do it for this episode of the show. Again, I invite you to check me out on Instagram at The Imbiber. I'm going to have a reel up there, a real reel, about what we talked about today. Yes, you've heard me, and now you can see me. And as I mentioned earlier, I do look a little bit like Colin Farrell. <sighs> I used to. Now I just look like Colin Farrell's old fat brother. But hey, you take what you can get. I want to thank you for tuning in, listening to the show. I know you got a lot of options out there. There are tens of podcasts in the drinking space that, you know, maybe they're better than this. I don't even know. I don't listen. But I'm glad you're with me. I appreciate it. You're the best. Don't go changing. And uh, we'll see you next week.